Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. Since the last two episodes of our show have been about horrible, unexplained deaths and murder at famous downtown Los Angeles hotels, we thought we would switch it up this week and do something a little more lighthearted. But if you are into mysterious deaths and murder... And we know you are because you're listening to a podcast called Whores Talk Horror. So you should definitely go check out our last two episodes if you haven't already. Um, Today, we're actually going to do another Lifetime movie episode. We watched a horrible Lifetime movie called 15 and Pregnant, starring Kirsten Dunst. The movie is from 1998, um, and we watched it so that you don't have to. But please feel free to watch it if you want to make fun of something and have a laugh during these difficult times, because that's what we did. And you, you'll probably laugh a lot, <laughs> especially if you're drinking while you're watching. <laughs> um, and since we are recording on Mother's Day today, happy belated Mother's Day, everyone. What better way for us to celebrate moms than by making fun of pregnant teenagers? Yay! I'm just kidding. We are not going to be making fun of teen pregnancy. Obviously, that's a sensitive and serious subject, but we are going to be making fun of a bad Lifetime movie trying to depict what it's like to be a teenager who gets pregnant. Spoilers aplenty about to come at you. And Sharon, I think, was Kirsten Dunst, she was probably about 15 when she made this, right? She, yeah, she actually was about 15 when this was made. Um, So like I said, this was made back in 1998. Uh, The movie stars Kirsten Dunst and Park Overall, who plays her mom, um, other than that, I don't think anyone else who is really well known is in the movie. Uh-uh. Most of you probably don't even know who Park Overall is, but she's been in a bunch of TV shows and in movies. So she's, I guess, kind of a b- bigger name, not as big as Kirsten Dunst, obviously, but um, th- that's about it as far as the cast of the movie. So let's quickly discuss the plot of this movie which comes from IMDb. It is based on a true story of 15-year-old Tina Spangler, who is played by Dunst. She discovers that she is pregnant, and her choices are to either have an abortion, put the baby up for adoption, or endure the lonely, exhausting life as a single teen parent. She's abandoned by her boyfriend. She turns to her mother, And she discovers that her unexpected pregnancy has torn her world apart, but maybe her pregnancy could actually reunite her shattered family and help her find her true purpose in life. So I I have no idea if this is actually based on a true story. I couldn't find anything to back up that claim. Um, Plus, the movie is just really kind of unoriginal and uses basically every teen pregnancy cliche in existence (laughs) so there's not anything really special or interesting enough about the story to even want to base it on a real person (laughs) um yeah so I'm just gonna say that it's a true story and the fact that 15 year old girls have gotten pregnant (laughs) and to be fair though the majority of lifetime movies claim to be based on a true story because people are evil (laughs) Also, that's true. That's what that's like what they always say on all their show. Like, you know, 
the titles of all their movies are like the neighbor who stalked me or whatever. So, um, but also I think they could probably get away with it based on a true story tagline because technically every cliche in the movie has happened to a pregnant woman at some point in human existence. So technically that's true. Some women do get bad morning sickness or some women do lose their partner while expecting. Lots of people think abortion is hellfire and damnation as well, as as you'll see these characters do. We'll get to that. Uh, the point is, these are all events that truly have been experienced by some pregnant women. So true. And there's not too many fun facts or trivia about this movie. Um, but there is one fact that I'll have Mindy read you. And then I'm going to read some of these hilarious IMDb reviews for the movie that include horrible grammar, spelling and all. All right, so Mindy, what is the only piece of trivia that we actually found about this movie? Fun fact, the film earned Kirsten Dunst a Young Star Award for Best Performance by a Young Actress in a Miniseries slash Made-for-TV Movie. Okay, I want to know who her competitors were if she <laughs> she won for Best Performance. Well, and I like that it's, is this an Emmy? Is this like what? What or is that that that's the name of the award? I've never heard of the Young Star Award, but I like that it's just kind of vague. And yeah, what was her competition? That would have been interesting to see. So IMDb had some pretty comical reviews. This review is a nine out of ten for the movie <laughs> Fifteen and Pregnant. I think this is this might be my favorite too. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think we're going to start off with the best one here. Um, so I'm I'm going to read this verbatim. This movie was really good and it scared me. Kirsten Dunst is one of my favorite actresses and I wanted to see every movie that she made. When I read her filmography, I wanted to see that movie. When I had to take health, I learned something, but some of my friends really didn't care. But they heard, spelled H-E-R-D, but they heard both sides. When I found out that 15 and Pregnant was on TV, I watched it. It was so good, and it had so many detailed stuff that would really happen in real life. See, it's a true story. What? I said, see, it's a true story. (laughs) And this is a good movie for us teens in the world to see. It really convinced me and my (laughs) friends not to have unprotected sex. Kirsten Dunst did a really good job in this movie. And what is really scary is that this movie may not convince teens because I saw two teens that are pregnant walking to my high school. (laughs) Everyone, (laughs) all one sentence. Everyone did an outstanding work in and on this movie. Everything about it is true almost. Parents are really not that relaxed about hearing their our daughter is pregnant. But I give this movie a grade A. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah, this... I mean, I got to tell you, I have a love-hate relationship with IMDb commentators because it tends to lean away from the love side of the spectrum as negative reviewers rarely provide substance or reasoning. Like, I did not like Joker because I felt empathy for Arthur and left the theater feeling depressed and hopeless to me. That, to me, is a valid, logical explanation that provides a perspective I might not have considered. Was that an actual review? I think someone did... (laughs) That Yeah, but um, unfortunately, something like, and this was a real review, his laugh was stupid and the movie sucked cauliflower dick. That tends to be more of the norm on IMDb. Yep. Uh, So 
then there are reviews like the one Sharon just read that are amazeballs on multiple levels. If I may quickly break down a few points that stood out, the movie, quote, had so many detailed stuff that would really happen in real life, um, despite clearly outstanding health education classes that teach you, quote, everything. The reviewer says some of their friends were still not convinced until they saw this movie. No, I think she said they were not convinced. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that Right. That makes more sense. But this movie's saving lives, people. Do you not get it? Like, oh, my God. I don't know. I just think this it I this is hilarious to me. I just not all teens are drinking the Kool-Aid, but the reviewer finds it's this movie scary because they saw two teens that were pregnant walking to their high school. I mean, I just I'm sorry. This thing is it. I want to frame this IMDb review. Can we get back to what is cauliflower dick exactly? <laughs> Spencer, can you enlighten us on what cauliflower dick is? Is that something that men deal with? <laughs> Well, you know, wrestlers, they like shove their ears against the other person. They get that cauliflower ear. Ew. Have you ever seen that? No. It's, it's kind of like that. Ew. That's all I'm going to say. Ew. <laughs> I'll use my imagination. Oh, and did you find out who um, yes. Miss Kirsten Dunn's competitors were for that <gasps> oh. award that she won? So the nominees for Best Young Actress in a miniseries <laughs> slash made-for-TV movie in 1998. Yes. Kirsten Dunst obviously won as Tina for 15 and Pregnant. The other nominees were... Tina Madurino as Avocet Abigail in Before Women Had Wings. You've seen that, right? <laughs> Before Women Had Wings. I didn't okay. realize women had wings. Have you not have you not seen the Dark Crystal dude? Come on. Well, I was gonna make a comment about that, but I yes, I love that. Um Chaz Monet as Ruby from Ruby Bridges, and then Jenna Malone as <gasps> Lily from Hope. Aww, oh, I like Jenna Malone, okay. but all I those like Jenna Malone too. Those others but ones. She didn't win. Well, because Kirsten was pregnant. So okay. So this next, <laughs> this next IMDb review is a seven out of ten. Very educational. I liked it. I thought this movie was well thought out and well done. I think I will show this movie to my kids. It showed her transition from brat to half responsible. <laughs> it showed that she gave up drinking and drugs for her baby. A very smart decision. How old is this person who wrote this? And how old are her kids that she thinks need to watch this? There were actually mom- a number of moments where I hardcore felt like I was watching a, like one of those educational films that you'd watch. Act- in health class? In health class <laughs> in junior high or some shit. Yeah, I know it's older, but the film quality even looked like those cheap health class movies. And I also agree with this reviewer that giving up drinking and drugs for a baby was a very smart decision. Facts. <laughs> Such an educational movie. And we have one last IMDb review, just in case we haven't convinced you enough <laughs> how important this movie is to stop young girls from becoming young mothers. Very well done, Sharon. <laughs> so this is an 8 out of 10 for the rating for this film. This film is so awesome. I first watched this film when I was 10 years old and loved it. (laughs) I love babies and anything to do with babies. Oh, no. I now do health and social care. She's now 13. (laughs) (laughs) I now do health and social care, and I realized what percentage of teenage girls actually get pregnant in a year. Where I live in North Holt, we the second highest teenage pregnancy rate in England. 
and I'm leaving all the bad grammar and I apologize. But the main reason I like this film is because it looks at what teenage mums or mums-to-be go through during or after their pregnancy. 15 and Pregnant also involved the good and bad possibilities that can happen and I think showed any teenage girl who watched this film what to expect and will in the future. I would recommend this film to my friends. (laughs) Can I just say that Sharon has to point at her screen to keep track because it's so confusing. She needs a little help to follow along. Well, it's just like the grammar and stuff is throwing me off. But, But also I think it's really funny because obviously she's, probably older than 13 now well we we hope so but the fact that she would recommend this movie to her friends so either she's like a 20 something who hangs out with teenagers or all her friends are not wise to birth control yet do you did it say what year this was written this review um i think it was from like 2006 i want to say which is actually even weirder because it's like 22 years after the movie was made. Still holds up, baby. (laughs) They're now writing this review. Okay, let me get back to this. I would recommend this film to my friends and it's one of those films you can watch over and over again. Agreed. This is is my own, no, this is my own insert. I promise you it is not (laughs) one of those films you can watch over and over again. To be honest, I watched it two days ago on True Movies on Sky. I think that more true stories like this should be shown in schools to cut down on pregnancy rates across the world. It may help. It may not. But we can try. That is the only thing I agree with. (laughs) Yeah. This is from 2006, by the way. Oh, I was right. Okay. So she's probably, yeah, not 10, but still... (laughs) Or 13 wow. or whatever. Well, she first watched this when she was 10 because she loves babies and anything to do with babies. Well, and we were watching Freddy Krueger when we were 10. So what does that have to say about us? Here because we are. we love murder and everything <laughs> to do with murder and horror. Oh, man. That's right. pretty great. I literally am like crying because that made me laugh so hard. All right. Before we get into this, I do have to say, Mindy, do you remember in high school how big of a deal teen pregnancy became at this time, like around this time period. Um, Yes. There was um, two people specifically in our class. I'm not going to name any names. Right. But I remember one of them actually appeared in People magazine. Yes. Yes. Babies having babies. Yeah. And five years later, they actually did a follow-up story of all those moms and I found this online when I was doing my um, research and writing for this episode. I was like, oh, I wonder if I can uh, find that article anywhere and you can still go online (gasps) and read that People magazine. And there was a five-year follow-up that people did as well. So the girl from our class five years later was married with two more kids. So can you imagine like five years from graduating high school being a married mother of three? Apparently she didn't have as hard of a time as Kirsten Dunst did in this movie. I mean, I give her a lot of fucking credit. I'm not and I'm not putting her down at all. I just I can't even imagine having one kid no, now seriously. at my age. <laughs> like with my shit together, with a job, with a place of my own. Like I 
I just think parenthood seems like the hardest thing in the world, which is why I'm not a parent. Um, but I was like, I can't even imagine being what, like 22 years old and having three children already and a husband and a house like that is just like beyond me. But anyways. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I don't think I ever did read the follow up. That's interesting to know. You should go find it. And there was another person that you and I were friends with who got pregnant in high school and she ended up on Oprah. Do you remember that? I do. Yes. I almost said <laughs> something that would have. Yeah. I don't want to say anything that would name names. We're not going to out, out her. Yeah. 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 It was a huge deal. Like, which, so it's funny because I don't think at the time I knew this movie existed, but when we found mm-hmm. out that it did like recently <laughs> and then saw it was from around that same time interesting it must that must have been that was like the epidemic of the day I guess in 1990 the late 90s was teens getting pregnant all over the damn place yeah I I just think it's kind of funny because it was such a big deal back then and then I don't know what happened it kind of cooled down a bit until MTV came out with teen mom and 16 and pregnant and then it became like this huge thing again well everybody watched this this Kirsten Dunst movie and they got scared so then they, were, they stopped having sex for a while. And then, yeah, that's what happened. And then 10 years later, they were like, all right, now we need to come out with 16 and pregnant because people are forgetting about this amazing Lifetime movie and teen pregnancy rates are rising again. We need another solution. MTV, come save the day. Yay. All right. So let's get to the actual story, the actual plot of this movie. So the movie starts with Tina, once again, played by Kirsten Dunst. Award-winning performance by Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, what was that award? Best Young Actress in a Miniseries or Made for TV Film. By the way, she has been nominated and probably won for other uh, awards uh, in other years for other movies for this Young Star Award. Oh. I think this is all rigged. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was she was paying off the Academy the uh, Young Star Award Academy. Oh, it's presented by the Hollywood Reporter. Ooh. Oh. Anyway. Anyways. All right. So the movie starts with uh, Tina, played by Dunst, about to have sex with her boyfriend, Ray. There's cheesy 90s pop music playing with the lyrics. I'm not going to sing this, but the lyrics are, love me, need me, please me, tease me, feel me, touch me, I'm your forever girl. <laughs> and the song plays over and over again throughout the entire movie. Yes, it does. Mindy, I think we should actually listen to a clip of the song now. Agreed. Uh, Mindy, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of horny. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's Sixpence None's, None the Richer? Is that the name of that band that sang? Uh, who sang that Love Me, Love Me song? Did they steal it from this? I, it just um, occurred to me. It sounds a lot like it. It's it not- does. But I know what you're talking about. You're talking about that song. It's like, love me, love me. Yeah. Say that you Car- love cardigans. Me. Yeah, it's the Cardigans, uh-huh. the Swedish band. 
um, move over Barry White because uh. <laughs> we have some new love making music <laughs> to listen to now. I like how at the beginning of that section, um, that was not the beginning of the song. Right. Uh, we cut out some of their some of their some of the uh, the actors talking, but that one part where the the sort of bass sounds go up and then they up go up again and up again, and it's like creating this tension of like, will they? Won't they? Are they going to have sex? What's happening? It creates a lot of tension. So you know, this is a brilliant piece of uh, music writing, I think. Well, but that's ironic because in the movie there is no tension. They basically do it immediately. It's true. It's, it's the true. only piece of tension. And it probably lasted like two seconds. Sploosh. <laughs> and I have to say, we had a really, really hard time finding this song. We ended up um, playing it on our TV and just record. I held up the microphone to the TV to record it because nobody knows who wrote this song? Might be called Forever Girl. I, Probably because they don't want to get sued by the cardigans. <laughs> yeah. That's my guess. Actually, that's very true. Uh, we, yeah, we, we did a lot of searching and could not find the actual uh, artist and title. So if you happen yeah. to know, please let us know. They weren't even listed in the credits. You said, yeah, they right? weren't yeah. even in the credits. There was one song listed in the credits and it wasn't <laughs> this one. Really? Yeah, it's a mystery. Huh, weird. And right before they have sex, Tina says to Ray, don't say you love me if you don't. Guess what? He doesn't say shit to her and they do the nasty. (laughs) But they don't actually show it because it is a Lifetime movie and they're teenagers. I literally wrote down, wow, opening scene? They just dive right into the sex, huh? Or implied sex because, yeah, it's 1998 and Lifetime. So we just get the implication. What up? It's always sunny reference. Um, Yeah. As Dennis Reynolds would say. The implication. implication. Um, I won't speak for Sharon here, but let's just clear this up right from the start. Ray is gross and he totally sucks. Like why she would want to have sex with him at all. I literally have no idea. Uh, And yeah, that don't say you love me line. I wrote down. How about we start with don't even think about sticking it in without a condom. Alas, Ray Douche-Nozzle, as I call him, neither says he loves her nor does he bother with protection, but the movie's title kind of spoiled that right from the start. So the movie has no idea how to show passage of time. I've, I noticed that uh, right away. <laughs> so almost in the next scene now, Tina, she's at high school, or she's in school. Uh, she goes to the bathroom, looks down, and sees blood in her underwear. And they actually show the fucking blood in her underwear. Not sure why exactly the director felt that they needed to show that instead of just suggesting in other ways that she got her period. But she looks totally relieved. So I'm assuming at least a month has passed here since she's had sex. But it feels like it's literally the next day. So that doesn't quite make sense. But also when you're a dumb teen and don't really understand how bodies work and how babies work, you might think that, you know, if you have sex one day and you get your period the next, that you're safe when, yeah, spoiler alert, she's not. 
Yeah, I've never had so many questions about a movie that I gave so little shits about getting answers to. It's weird. Thematically, they're all over the map, which I found really jarring because what the fuck are you trying to say here? I mean, clearly the message is pro-life, but they managed to work in pro-choice perspectives, divorce, family rivalry, mental instability, more in a bit. Um, There's even a passing swipe at Catholicism and religious hypocrisy. It's all over the place. Yeah, they do try and throw (laughs) a lot in there. Just cover the entire gamut of of everything that could possibly um, be concerning to teenagers at that time. (laughs) Like literally, yeah. (laughs) So later after school that day, after... Tina gets her period. Uh, her <laughs> and Ray Douchnozzle, they go drinking and smoking cigarettes with some of their friends down by the railroad tracks in their town, some like really rundown area of their small little town. And before Ray passes Tina a bottle of alcohol, he does some really awkward cunnilingus type tongue movement on the bottle and then passes it to her to take a swig. It was really disgusting. Once again, It was like another, like, why is the director choosing to show this instead of, I I don't know. He just, it was gross. Yeah. Um, But he really knows how to uh, impress his girl, though. (laughs) Apparently. She she seemed uh, a little turned on by it. Um, He then tells his friends to scram, and when him and Tina are alone... He dumps her because he needs to concentrate on football. <laughs> so I'm not not really sure why he was giving her mixed messages. You know, one minute he's doing this fancy tongue work on a bottle and two seconds later he dumps her ass. <laughs> and she just responds with, I thought we were going to be together forever. Of course she did. I'm going to go with he really wanted to get in her pants. And now that he has a light a bitch, pretty sure that was the reason. No. No, guys don't do that, especially not high school guys. I know, right? Um, oh, and there's this character named Lori, uh, Tina's friend, who is already a young working single mom who's struggling to balance college, a full-time job at the mall, and raising her daughter after being left by her high school baby daddy. She's also kind of a badass, uh, one of the few voices of reason in this whole mess of a movie, and a damn good friend because Tina is annoying as fuck. Lori keeps it real, but still listens to her friend's bullshit drama. Lori asks Tina if she and Douche Ray used a condom when they did the nasty, and Tina shyly looks away and admits they didn't. Lori, understandably, chews Tina's ass out, essentially saying, well, look how that worked out for me, you dumbass. I'm paraphrasing, of course. That wasn't actually a line. Tina responds that she can't use condoms because... To Catholics, this indicates the desire to knowingly commit a sinful act. Oh, Catholicism, you so crazy. <laughs> um, and can we just take, a, I think, Sharon, you've touched on this, but let's just take a second to acknowledge that Tina is extraordinarily dumb as fuck. And also really self-centered. Ex- totally self-centered. Like, back to her heart-to-heart with Lori, after picking up Lori's kid from daycare, who's understandably tired, hungry, and screaming in her car seat, Tina yammers on about her own shit, at one point saying something like, God, do they do that all the time? Then keeps talking about herself. Not until Lori is like, oh my God, do you not hear my daughter screaming? Shut the fuck up and amuse her so she'll stop until we get home. Like, again, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the intent. Like, God, 
she's horrible. Obviously, it's a Lifetime movie. I think they have a certain formula to follow, um, including horrible dialogue, uh, cliche situations, and it wouldn't be a Lifetime movie without it. And we wouldn't be making fun of this movie and if, you know, Lifetime didn't keep things real <laughs> like that. Exactly, exactly. All right, so now it's the morning of Tina's 15th birthday, and we get a glimpse into how religious her family is when her mother gives her a gray shirt for her birthday. Literally, it's just like this ugly gray button-up shirt (laughs) uh, with a collar. Kind of looks like a Catholic school shirt, Ah. but gray. And says something to the effect of, that's the closest thing to black that I'll allow you to wear because, you know, obviously people who are black are evil Satanists. But (laughs) religious family, sure. But I'd go more with either that house had a hell of a gas leak or that whole family was mentally insane. Her mom's temper flares randomly. Tina's sister hates everyone but her dad and the brother runs around the house like a fucking banshee being a little shit. When Tina comes in, her sister tells her to open her gifts. Happy birthday. I got you condoms and a pregnancy test. (laughs) Not really, (laughs) but probably much more practical than a gray shirt. That's not going to fit her for very much longer. (laughs) Ha ha. Boom. Oh, lifetime burn. So it seems like only days that have passed after she has sex, Tina is now already nauseous and has put on enough weight to not be able to fit into her clothes, including the bitching new gray button-up <laughs> collared shirt her mom bought her for her birthday. At, by put on enough weight, we mean wore overalls and baggy jacket slash pants because for the majority of the movie, I kept thinking they could have at least made an effort. There are only a few scenes early on where we see like a bump kind of. Then by the end, she's massively pregnant with what looks like a fucking litter. But there's no in between (laughs) at all. I have to say, though, back in those um, back in the 90s, I pretty much lived in baby tees and overalls. It's like the most comfortable outfit ever. Oh, for sure. But she really didn't look very pregnant, was my point, until she was. And then she was like massively (laughs) pregnant. So her mom drives her to school the the morning of her birthday. And there just so happens to be a news report on the radio that they're listening to about teen pregnancy. Tina's mom looks very uncomfortable. And when they pull up to her high school, Her mom stutters a bit while asking her, do you or anybody you know been sexually active? Tina nods slightly and then jumps out of the car and slams the door. (laughs) By the way, we're only about 12 minutes into the movie here, so no character development, no sense of time are being used to move the story along, and it's kind of a bold directing choice, I think, to make the viewer not care about the story or the characters at all. (laughs) Honestly, at this point, I'd already decided that I hated every single character in this movie, with the exception of Lori and one other we haven't met yet, but they're all the fucking worst. They are all kind of the fucking worst. Uh, So by this point, Tina now realizes that she didn't get her period after all. I guess it was just spotting or whatever when they decided to show her bloody underwear. (laughs) Uh, So her friend Lori who had a baby at 17, uh, Mindy mentioned her previously, takes her to a teen counseling center to get her checked out. And sure enough, Tina finds out she's pregnant and 15. Happy birthday, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ironically, I'd actually argue that while technically this is a pro-life movie, it's also a fantastic argument for being pro-choice because no one in this family should ever be allowed to breed ever. (laughs) So Lori suggests to Tina the option of abortion. Funny you bring up abortion, Mindy. Mm -hmm. And where this movie lacks in character and story, it definitely makes up for in its writing when Tina responds with, all right, I'm going to put on my, uh, my best, what is it? Teen uh, Spirit Award? Smells like Teen oh, Spirit? Yeah, yeah, Smells Like Teen Spirit Award. That's or, totally what. Young Star Award. Young Star Award. Do it. Uh, they should change the name. I'm going to I'm gonna make uh, Kirsten Dunst proud of me. Here we go. I would never do that. I think that's the most horrible, wrong, gross thing you can do. All right. So apparently Tina, was that good? That was Did good. I really capture her? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... So apparently, Tina has never had a Pasadena mudslide, though, which is where you defecate on your partner's chest while she performs oral sex on you in a reclining position. Because <laughs> that is definitely more horrible, wrong, and gross than abortion. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? But good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, now that she f- knows that she's pregnant, she ends up telling her parents. Her parents are separated, by the way. I don't think we mentioned that earlier, but her dad has moved out of the house. Not sure if they ever fully explained why. I think possibly he cheated on his wife, Tina's mother. But do you remember, Mindy? I don't. I really don't think it matters, honestly. Yeah, I don't think it matters either. (laughs) What does matter, though, was at this moment where she told her parents, this was amazing. She's at Lori's. Then both Tina and Lori's moms come into the living room. Tina just says tearfully, I'm pregnant, and then runs out of the room. Smooth. I mean, honestly, if I was 15 and found out I was pregnant, that's probably the way I would do it too, because I'd be afraid that my mom might throw something at me. (laughs) Well, to be fair, her mom did get her a snazzy gray shirt for her birthday. So yeah, you've got a point. (laughs) So after Tina's mom learns that her daughter is pregnant, Tina's mom and her friend, they go to the gym. They're getting fit all like 90s style. They're on like that stair stepper machine with their 90s workout uh, leotards on. I think there were some sweatbands involved even maybe. There was probably some like headbands, wristbands going on, some 90s music. And Tina's mom says to her friend... And she has a a really heavy Southern accent in this movie, which I am not going to do. But she says, still trying to figure out why after years of sex education and Tina going to church her entire life, she still knows nothing about safety or sin. Because if there's one thing we all know is that church cures you of all evil. That's right. And they teach a lot about sex education. Um, I think it's around this time. Basically, they teach don't fucking do it until you're married. Yeah. And then still don't even do it unless you want to make a baby. Right. Right. Exactly. So safety, not going to come up because Catholics don't believe in it. Sin, that's covered. But oh, yeah. Sin's definitely covered, especially in Catholicism. That kind of but but that's really all we get. So I, I think it's around this time. In the movie, we see a scene with either Tina and Lori's mom talking or Tina's mom's talking with the dad, who she clearly still wants to bone. Anyway, (laughs) Tina's mom's struggling to accept Tina's pregnancy and literally says, part of me wants to comfort her, but a part of me really wants her to suffer the consequences, too. 
everyone in the family is so self-centered. I wrote at this moment, seriously, get a fucking abortion. You're all the fucking worst. I mean, she can just say a few Hail Marys and everything is forgiven because it's Catholicism. She, I mean, Kirsten, she probably should have just said, or sorry, not Kirsten, Tina probably should have just said that she didn't have sex and they would have been like, oh, you're like the Virgin Mary and it would have been fine. <laughs> Immaculate conception. <laughs> So Tina's sister, Rachel, she's super annoyed that her sister's pregnant. So she starts trying to eat her worries away, as a lot of us do. And there's this great scene of Tina's sister, Rachel, and her friend at the mall. I think they're eating like shitty mall pizza. (laughs) And Rachel's friend says, girls do die in childbirth. I read it in Time magazine in my mom's doctor's office. To which Rachel responds, I still don't believe it. And her friend says, it's true, about 20%. I think they keep it a secret because then no one would want to have babies at all. And then there would be no more people. Very good point. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, Rachel's friend. To which Rachel responds, good. It'd be better if we just had dogs. I fully 100% agree with that statement. (laughs) It would be better if we had more dogs. Not sure the correlation between less children and more dogs, but I'm sure there's some science there. Oh, I'm sure. But cats too. We need cats involved. But she did reference dogs, so we should mention that. Yeah. Okay, so here's the... This is what I was kind of waiting for. Tina finally, finally decides to tell her ex, Ray, that she's pregnant. So Lori drops her off at Ray's house, and there's a Trans Am parked on the front lawn and two recliners on Ray's front porch because Ray keeps it classy like that. (laughs) Ray walks outside to talk to Tina, and you can hear his mom yelling in the background. Ray says to Tina, your old lady is as big a bitch as mine. That's sort of my Ray, my Ray voice, kind of. Yeah, you know you're with a good guy when he calls his mom a bitch, I mean. <laughs> and your mom a bitch, actually. And your mom a bitch. I mean, that, that shows a lot of character right there. Yeah. If We all know that if someone gets along well with their mom and treats their mother good, they're likely to treat you good. Yeah. When you call your mom a bitch and you call your girlfriend's mom a bitch, huge red flag that you should not be with this person. Tina better scoop his ass up quickly and wife him. One of those porch recliners could be yours, girl. (laughs) Oh, porch recliners. Um. (laughs) So Ray continues with, I heard about the kid. I'll be a better father than my old man. I'm not doing that much in my life anyways. So yeah. You should, having a kid out of boredom should always be like your top reason for having a kid. Um, Yeah. So basically he's like, yeah, we'll just have a kid, right? Not really doing anything anyways, except sitting on my porch recliner. (laughs) Then he says, I'm really glad that we're having him while we're young. So we won't be too old to take him to the playground and stuff. Because, you know, when you have kids in your 20s and 30s, you risk breaking a hip or something when you're at the playground. You know, you have to be in your prime high school years to fully enjoy having a kid. You can skateboard with him at the skate park. You can... That whole scene with uh, Ray talking to Tina about having a kid basically out of boredom and it'd be cool to take him to the playground reminded me of my favorite Keanu Reeves line from the movie Parenthood. (laughs) 
where he says, you know, Mrs. Buckman, you need a license to buy a dog. You need a license to drive a car. Hell, you even need a license to catch a fish. But they'll let any butt reaming asshole be a father. And of course, Keanu Reeves says it in his best Ted uh, type voice from Bill and Ted. Hell yeah. But and I know that I love that movie. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a really long time. It, it's a better uh, movie than this one. But um, if you've yeah, if you've never seen Parenthood, check it out. It's it's pretty old, but it's amazing. And it has Keanu Reeves and a super, super young Joaquin Phoenix back when he was still known as Leaf yes. Phoenix. Yes. And Steve Martin, who's fucking hilarious yeah it's a funny it's a funny movie and i know that this movie we're talking about is a lifetime movie and an older one at that um but i think the intention of that scene was for viewers to empathize with the sweet innocent girl falling for the bad boy how blinded by love she's become but instead it kind of just came off as being pathetic to me yeah but honestly we can't be too harsh i know i dated my share of pathetic losers in high school and sadly college and sadly maybe even beyond college but hey man we all we all go through our bad boy phase you know what yeah yeah i guess but ray just sucks anyway moving on ray does really suck (laughs) um so tina enters a teen mother academic program at her school which is basically a class that's taught in a trailer in the back of the school with a bunch of other pregnant girls and I'm not sure why they don't make the fathers go to a special teen dad academic program as well yes but talk about ostracizing no shit I know people for being pregnant teenagers like we can't even have you in class with everyone else to kind of make you feel normal no we're gonna put you in a trailer in the back of the school and teach all of you it was uh that really kind of annoyed me and seemed very uh sexist and kind of horrifying because like it was just like this dirty trailer in the back and like ostracizing these girls completely way to go school tina also starts to go to a teen pregnancy prep class and listens to a new teen mom played by mindy's hero katie sackoff what, what? who plays starbuck in battlestar galactica So this girl talks about how her boyfriend told her that he would marry her. Then he dumped her when the baby came. Surprise, surprise. She spends all her time feeding her baby, changing diapers, and not sleeping. And only has one friend left and basically no money. This is what sex ed class should be. Yes. Like they shouldn't wait until you have a whole room full of pregnant teenage girls before you like tell them what to expect out of life yes my thoughts exactly this is the talk that should take place in sex ed you know preferably before teen girls are already knocked up like you just said i mean this is where i shifted from this is pro-life propaganda to maybe this is just a catholic driven movie because ain't no catholic guilt better than being a woman what i could i could stop there but being a woman who's vulnerable emotional, pregnant, and then forced to listen to another teen mom tell you how much it sucks being a mom. Yeah, her daughter's cute and whatever, but kids suck. Just the thing to tell a bunch of scared pregnant teens who already know their lives are going to get sucky soon. Like, yeah, you're right. This needs to be a pre-knocked up conversation for sure. Um, I will say, as usual, for those of you who are familiar with the Ronald Moore Battlestar Galactica, um, 
Katie Sackhoff, super young, and she works her magic. Probably not a surprise to any of you fans. Uh, if you've seen the episode Scar or Maelstrom on Battlestar Galactica, you will not be surprised that Katie takes one of the worst monologues I have ever heard ever and breathes life into it. So that by the end of the scene, I actually felt empathy for her. Kind of. You know who really feels like shit, though? Tina. Yeah, she's starting to feel more and more like shit because her boyfriend, who was supposed to attend the class with her, does not. And he ends up dumping her again. Shocker! So now we're going to fast forward a little bit. Tina's parents decide that they're going to end their separation basically for the sake of Tina and the new baby and try and make it work and move back in together. Then my... (laughs) Favorite character of the whole film. Yes. Badass grandma shows up making homemade donuts and dropping truth bombs on the entire family. Yeah. She tells Tina's younger brother that he needs to help out his mom and pregnant sister more because if he wants to be a man, that's what men do. Fuck yeah, granny. Then she also tells Tina's mom that Tina should give up the baby because she's too young to be raising a child. She makes Tina's mom basically feel like a bad parent and questions her relationship with her previously estranged husband and tells the entire family to kind of, you know, get your shit together. (laughs) Um, So Tina's sister, Rachel, is actually really happy that her grandma's there because she's finally getting some attention. And she is also like, finally, there's someone in this family who actually makes sense. Can I please come live with you? So eventually, Rachel does move out and goes and lives with her grandma. Uh, badass grandma was actually the other character next to Lori that I didn't totally hate in this movie. Basically what Sharon said, clearly she's the only one in her family with a brain. Bitch keeps it real, like a little too much because shortly after arriving, she's being (laughs) driven back to the train station by dad. (laughs) Oh, grandma, thanks for coming and making us all feel like shit. All right, time for you to go home now. This is like probably one of my favorite scenes. So she's about to board the train, right? And badass granny tells the dad, again, I'm paraphrasing here, but she tells him to get his shit together, get his house in fucking order and deal with his wife and and fucking be supportive to Tina. In response, dad tries to backpedal and gets kind of snippy, saying they're trying their best, but adulting is hard. (laughs) Badass Gran picks up her bags, hugs her son, the dad, says goodbye, and then says, and I quote, I know you're trying hard. Try harder. Oh, shit. (laughs) She turns on her heels and walks off to board the train. Doesn't even look back. Mic drop. All right. So now it's baby shower time. And actually, no one shows up to her baby shower, which is that was actually really sad that no one showed up to her baby shower. I know when our friend in high school got pregnant, I mean, her baby shower was was fucking huge. Yeah. It looks like she's already lost all of her friends, and she's lost her boyfriend. But, hey, the baby's almost here. Can't sulk around the house too much. Uh, This is probably the first time we actually see Tina's, like, full pregnant belly, and she's checking out her, her belly in the mirror, and Tina's brother walks by and catches her looking at her belly and says, don't you think Ray should have to do something for having his kid inside you? 
like pay rent. <laughs> so obviously Granny's little lecture is already making an impact on him because now he's even more of a man than Ray Douche Nozzle. <laughs> yeah. And drum roll, Mindy. Uh, It's baby time. <laughs> Kirsten Dunn's birth scene was actually pretty intense. <laughs> Maybe that's why she won that award. Yeah. Like for this scene alone, because she kind of sucked at acting for the rest of the movie. Um, <laughs> But this scene, she was actually really good. She kind of reminded me of Linda Blair from The Exorcist. I actually thought her head was going to spin around at one point. <laughs> And after a pretty rough labor, little Caleb is born. With the family unit now restored, with both a mother and a father under one roof raising their children, as it should be, <clears throat> like it says in the Bible, <laughs> mom's suddenly more chill. Uh, I'm going to go with dad's Xanax dick is the reason for why she's more chill. Tina's brothers calm down for like five seconds and is actually kind of sweet. And Rachel even came with granny from the farm to see the baby. Aww. I know. Now that Tina and her siblings have their proper role models restored under one roof, they will be able to guide their children and now grandchild onto a more righteous path. This also means <laughs> that it's okay to love Tina again, even though she, quote, went through labor before she learned to drive a car. <laughs> we get it, mom, but move the fuck on already. The baby's born. Anyway. The movie ends with a gradual fade to black, with Tina in her wheelchair holding the baby and smiling, with mom, dad, both siblings and granny standing adoringly around her, with a road of sunshine and roses ahead. Nah, it just fades to black with a stupid voiceover that recaps Tina's doubts and fears with a, we'll see what the future will bring, feel at the end of it. Wah, mm. wah, wah. <laughs> Yeah, the end of the movie kind of ended like a, a bad TV sitcom or something. <laughs> I kind of wanted the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song to pick up at the end. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would have been hilarious. All right, that is that. You definitely do not need to watch this movie because um, we basically just told you the whole boring ass plot cliches and all but first we have to pick our favorite quote yeah we do my favorite quote is sperm doesn't entitle you to much which comes from tina's dad to ray as ray and his new girlfriend walk into the hospital while tina is giving birth in another room the fucking nerve of them but also good for him to say that because that you know kind of makes me like the dad just a little bit more Eh, I don't know. They all still kind of suck, but Ray sucked the most, so he should get sure. lost. Uh, my favorite line is, will I have to give up soccer? Which was said by Tina upon learning she was pregnant. That sounds like something that you would hear in one of those like 1970s or 1980s tampon commercials. Like, am I still going to be able to swim? Right. Or like in health class. Again, I do think that this movie should be shown in health class because it totally <laughs> sounds like that. Totally. Oh, this has a 5.7 rating on IMDb, IMDb, which I actually find shocking. That's a little too high, I would say. Well, I think it was because of those three <laughs> those three uh, raving reviews that we read oh, earlier. Oh, right, right. The teenagers who relate. Yes, a good point. Good point. 
Yeah, so I'm going to give this movie three condoms out of ten. Even though this movie is far from great, it does convey a pretty effective message that I think would frighten most teens to try to avoid getting pregnant. Basically, it's more effective than sex ed class. So I guess watch it for those reasons. Yeah, I, I'm i going to go with three condoms as well. Um, I do agree that this has an effective message and would definitely frighten more uneducated or conservative teens. And by that, I mean, you know, I went to college in a little farm town and like their Walmart would not sell birth control to teenage girls. So like the, there are <laughs> communities out there where these there are girls who don't know this stuff. So those people, this might be a good movie for them to watch. But for that reason, I'm also adding a bonus IUD because after that baby is born, you can never be too careful. Mm-mm. All right, so that is going to do it with this movie. Um, Mindy, have you been watching any um, good movies lately? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually just found out that I think The Lodge is on Hulu. Yes, I plan on watching that tonight. Actually, actually. I do too. Funny. So I was going to watch that. Um, but I've been watching this show called about, about Skinwalker Ranch on the History Channel. I think. Oh, okay. Um, but it's this uh, like new team that's in there trying to, you know, research the place and all the stories that have gone on for centuries. And it's actually kind of interesting. I won't go into it too much, but I would recommend if you're interested in that kind of thing, it's kind of cool the stuff they're finding. I would recommend it. So I watched an episode of that show, The Holzer Files as well, um, that about, we had talked about Hans Holzer and he's like one of, considered one of the first like ghost hunters kind of guys whatever um and it's a show that's on the travel channel there's only one season which i think is up right now but all the episodes seem to be on demand it's kind of your typical ghost hunters type reality show but basically um alexandria holzer hans's daughter is the curator of all of his research and documentation and she's actively working with this investigation team that's on the show and they i guess supposedly are the only or at least the very few people that she's allowed full access to her father's work. Um, So Mm. that's actually that part of it's kind of interesting. But then they do like go to people's houses that he had investigated and then it becomes like a ghost hunter situation. And I'm like, meh. So I wish they just kind of talk more about his files and like that kind of stuff. But maybe that's what season two will be. Who knows? If you're into that kind of thing, you can watch season one on demand on the Travel Channel. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. I have to say, actually, I have been cleaning my apartment, which don't fall over, Sharon. I know that's shocking. But <laughs> yesterday, I know I have like 50 million movies to watch that are new. But like yesterday, I wanted to have something on in the background while I was doing stuff. And Seven was on Showtime. And I hadn't seen that movie maybe since the theaters. Like, I haven't seen it in years and I was able to restart it. And I, I ended up sitting down and watching it because I hadn't seen it in so long. I forgot how good that movie is. Holy crap. Yeah, that's one of those movies where if you if it happens to be on TV and you start it, you, there's no way you cannot finish it. And it's one of the few movies I feel like I can still responsibly watch with Kevin Spacey in it and feel good about myself. Oh, yeah, because he plays a horrible fucking monster yeah. <laughs> in this movie so yeah yeah was it really much of a stretch for him I don't know. right uh, just kidding I mean yeah he's he's not a good person but he's definitely not um 
<laughs> serial murderer, <laughs> torturer. He's not that bad of a person. He's not that He's not bad. to that level. That, yes. that we know of. No. <laughs> true. This is true. Do we really know that much about him? Um, what else? I feel like we just watched some... Oh, we watched um, Blood Quantum, which is on Shudder. And that was the movie that we discussed during our upcoming 2020 horror movie episodes about the... Uh, zombie uh, outbreak on the Indian reservation. It's a Canadian film. And uh, yeah, I really, I really liked it. It has kind of a similar pace to the dead don't die. Mm. Um, Obviously there's, I mean, there is a political message tied into the story as well. Uh, I I don't really want to give too much away or discuss it too much um, just because it is newer. I know a lot of people haven't seen this movie yet probably um but i would definitely recommend it but speaking of shutter um the uh, the last drive-in with joe bob briggs oh, just yeah. started uh, this the second season just started up again and a couple um a couple movies that he went over in the first couple episodes were some classics yeah uh, chopping mall if you if y'all have never seen chopping mall you gotta see that great and also terrible movie um and then heather's was another one. Yeah, I was sh- kind of shocked that he did Heather's because, Mindy, that's one of our all-time favorite movies. Yeah. Um, and then he did the original Maniac, which I had never seen, so that was cool that I uh, was able to watch that for the first time because I've only seen the Elijah Wood uh, oh. version. Oh, cool. So I started listening to Elijah Wood's podcast, Visitations, which is uh, it's a Shudder podcast, right? Like they yeah. do it for Shutter, or it's um, produced by Shutter. They've had a few, it, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really like it. It's him and Daniel Noah discussing horror movies with a lot of cool ass people. I've only listened to the first three episodes so far, where he talks to Taika Watiti, Mike Flanagan, and John Landis. Um, but it's cool. They just discuss their love of horror and uh, filmmaking. And so if you're a fan of film and horror movies specifically, I think you would really like it. There's um, Guillermo Guillermo del Toro uh, is another person that they interview. Dan Harmon. Who else? They have like a good list of interviews that they've done so far. So Jonathan Landis. Damn, that's a classic. Like that's a good one to get. Yeah. Wow, I'm impressed. I'm definitely going to want to listen to that. Shudder's done a few podcasts that have been pretty cool, none of which I can think of right now off the top of my head. <laughs> but I know that I listened to one of them. And then they have a few, sh- like any of their shorts that they produce, they have a few short series that they do too, are well worth it. I love Shudder. Mm. I think it's worth the price, personally. Their collection is pretty awesome at all times on Shutter. I feel like you know they like every streaming service they take stuff on and off but they always have pretty good shit available to watch so um what else is going on I think that's about it so thank you for listening everybody um if you are able to please subscribe to our Patreon if you want to have early access to episodes hear exclusive episodes and receive cool gifts uh, if you go to Horse Talk Horror on Instagram, you will find the links to our streaming locations and Patreon. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Facebook and email us at horsetalkhorror at gmail.com if you want to tell us a ghost story, something creepy, 
or just to say you love us, all of the above. But thank you for listening. We love you guys. And also, um, if you are so inclined and you want to go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming site you listen to us on. Um, We've gotten a few reviews and we thank you to those of you who have um, written new reviews for us and that helps us get out there more, get more exposure. Uh, So we really, really appreciate that. And we just want to thank everyone who has written us a review. Um, We love you guys. And as always, thanks thanks for for getting getting creepy creepy with with us. Sharon, do you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.